Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 800 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. My guest today is the wonderful comedian, Mr. Patrick Monaghan. Yes! Hello, mate! Good to see you. Oh my God, Rich, you have seen more gigs than I've done. I mean, I've done, I've done, how many was that? You said 600. 800. 800. Oh 800 and something comedians oh on the blog at the minute, and I'm only on the letter N. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be fantastic. That is brilliant. Well, you know what? We're Hopefully, if there's another lockdown, you'll be able to get, you'll be able to do all the other world as well exactly <laughs> you'd be like literally going a to z and then you'll start using the arabic alphabet <laughs> how are you though anyway it's great to see you great to see you yeah it's been absolutely fantastic thank you it's been so good i mean it's so nice because normally when i see you it'll be either going into a gig or leaving a gig yeah, yeah. and you other people you can see like you know there's you've got that uh, you know we're in a different place where are we tonight what place is this what's happening where is it it's quite funny now because we're actually in each other's houses <laughs> in my house technically it is so funny isn't it where you just think oh, oh it's God. incredible you can see in everybody's houses yeah i was impressed with your i mean look at your backdrop is absolutely fantastic the I always, that is that's the that's the key isn't it to a great to a great uh, zoom or a great when you're on the computer is to have a lovely display of what you've been reading yeah what you've been watching yeah. basically yours is amazing autobiography is all them books you've got yeah and mine is literally just a tv with netflix I mean, look, <laughs> <laughs> well you can't beat netflix I, uh, <laughs> and do you know what I've, I've been so good when i started uh the lockdown i was i was watching a lot of telly and then i just haven't for the last i think after the second lockdown i was just like oh i've watched <laughs> It Nothing. can it can get a bit tedious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then people go watch a bit of comedy, and I I, I don't know if you've seen it because it's quite it'll be interesting to know what you think. But have you ever seen it? You know when you're watching, um, if you watch some comedy shows, have you seen it where they're socially distanced? Yeah. And it, it's funny. Like I love like watching people like Kevin Hart, who's amazing, and y you watch him, and he's he's normally in like sixty thousand people in a yeah. stadium. You know. People and he's like, oh my god, this is it's electric. And then and then they put one out, I think recently, and there was like 18 people in the roll like me going bananas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who has he gone from like 80,000 people to 16? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, we we are gonna talk about your comic career. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd like to go right back to the start and if you can tell me how did you become a comedian in the first place? Well, it's quite interesting because when I first, um, when I was first growing up, I didn't have a clue what comedy was, what stand up. I mean, I obviously knew, you know, like, you know, entertainment and stuff like that. But I didn't realise, you know, people like Dave Allen, people like um, Michael Barrymore, you know, these people that you see on the telly, you didn't realise that these were actually really skilled comedians yeah. because old sort of generation. Do you we were growing up, we just thought, oh my god, even like uh, I mean, Lily Savage. Yeah. Um, who was the other one? There used to be loads, wasn't there? Like the generation games on, but even like Les Dennis. Or, I mean, you just see people, and you think, 
how are these people so funny? I mean, they're just so, they're so good. Because normally when you see a presenter, it's normally like Eamon Andrews. You yeah. Remember, like, the line Michael Parkinson. And you just think, oh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're very good, very professional. And then suddenly you get someone like Lily Savage come along. You think, bloody, they're yeah, amazing. Yeah. But Dave Allen was a big inspiration for me because I, I didn't realise he was a stand-up comedian oh, because yeah, yeah. he was watching him and he was just sat there and he would just talk. And I remember my dad would come in. My dad would be, like, working in the blast furnace or the steelworks. He'd come in covered in grease. He'd have a boiler suit. He'd be working 12-hour shifts from 6 in the morning. And then you'd see him on an evening where you put Dave Allen on and he's cracking up like a kid laughing. And I thought, this guy's great. And I, and I didn't understand half the stuff, but I just loved what he did. And I think subconsciously that got into my head. So when I when I left the Northeast, I went across to the Northwest in Liverpool and I was doing bits and pieces, but no stand-up, didn't even know what that was. I was at college there doing stuff. And again, stand-up wasn't really, there was a huge, obviously, you know, in the 90s and that was the alternative comedy circuit, but I didn't, didn't start till after like two, you know 2000 so i didn't know what all that what all the big thing was again like bottom rick mail whatever yeah. i just thought these were like actors you know i didn't realize there was like a stand-up skill to it and then um so it was when i first came down to uh, to london i just thought Do you know what um there was like these little there used to be a time out magazine this shows how long ago it's i mean they don't do it anymore now and back then you would literally I think it was like it was ridiculous. It was like two pounds for a thing because they'd sell millions of these. It looked because it was all tourists, people come, and it was like this. It was like a telephone directory each yeah. week. Do you remember the magazine in time? I remember and, it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to have to ring up and book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, a phone number that oh oh one seven three two. And it was like what the hell? Like the old fashioned no no mobile numbers. It was all like this, and it was literally there was about you know there'd be like a hundred pages of theatre and live yeah. shows. That, like 50 pages of music and all this and then there was always about three or four pages of comedy do you remember where the stand-up so so i remember just looking at and i i didn't know anywhere in london i'd like a, a sibling or took a couple of siblings like some family bits pieces down there, but i didn't really know anyone so i just thought you know what i'll go along this day i got this uh one of the time out things and i went oh i'll go and watch a bit of comedy i just i just i think i remember seeing something like lee evans or something on the telly wow realized that was the first time i realized oh my god so these people this is what stand-up is they you know they do stuff because yeah. when i was younger if you said to me you know rich you went okay pat you know in when you're older you're just gonna be traveling around and performing to like roomfuls of people who've been drinking and you, you're just gonna talk to <laughs> you mad I'm, of course i'm not gonna, i don't want to do that I'm, who are these people I mean, who are, who are these people? and then um so i came to london and the first gig i did it literally was a thing called the Purple Turtle. I don't know if you ever did you ever go to that one in in, in Islington? There was because there's obviously there was another one in Camden, but that was much. I've later. heard of them. I didn't get to them. I I, I was more the comedy store jonglers right. downstairs, oh. the King's Head, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh no, well jonglers, yeah, and the I mean comedy store, yeah, they were all great. They'd been going years and years, mm. but the the Purple Turtle was more like an open mic gig. Right. It was literally. I mean, it's not there anymore now. It was. It's. Um, your hybrid isn't and and uh you know the angel and all that so you go up the road yeah, it's yeah. Really into flats now but it was like a, a like one of them bars there and this was the gig you turn up and you i rang but i didn't realize people just turned up but i rang like i go yeah can I come this? And they said yeah come down we'll put your name down i turned up <laughs> literally as you walk in right you open the door door swings open there's a pallet on the floor just like literally a wooden pallet so when the door opens it smacks this pallet which is meant to be the stage there's a wow. mic stand, 
So these people are already on their nervous. People are just walking out and they're just making them even more, like just knocking yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, um, my uh, first ever gig uh, was aged eight on a holiday to Scarborough. And, oh. we, and we went to see Les Dawson. And, oh, wow. then, and then the following mm. year, this would be in the 70s, and then the following year we saw Tommy Cooper. And you mentioned Rick Mayle. Um, he came to Carlisle and we went to see him, and he was extraordinary. Uh, he, yeah. was a, he was a highlight in the 80s. Yeah. And um, uh, so there I am in Carlisle, and I, I came to London uh, yeah. in 1988, and my first gig at the Comedy Store was um, Richard Morton... Um, uh, John Maloney compared it, Hattie yeah. Hayridge, wow, um, yeah. uh, Linda Smith, Dearly uh, Mist, and top of the bill was Charles Fleischer, who was this nutter, this American nutcase, but he was never heard of again because he went yeah. on to voice Roger Rabbit in Hollywood and invited his millions, oh, so I was God. so pleased to see him, and uh, got the bug, and, and here's, here's the blog. Um, so what yeah. year, what year did you did you come down to London then from the northeast? So I came uh, well. I went from the northeast across to Liverpool, uh, and then Liverpool down to London. About end of ninety nine two thousand. Right. So I came down, yeah. So I'd probably um, end of ninety nine two thousand, and then started doing gigs, open mic gigs in um, middle of two thousand. Right. I've 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 been many a audience. Uh, friend to many a comedian who has uh, started out and done these five-minute gigs in pubs, and I love to go and support them. Um, is this how you started? Did you, did you bring friends along and and built it up from there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, the the problem I had was because um, I when I came to London. I didn't know anyone apart from that. Uh, there was a couple of siblings, you know, like family, but there was no one that I knew. So basically right. when I came here, I started to get little odd jobs. I was doing stuff, it was hilarious. I was doing jobs like handing out flyers for a nightclub. It was called Samantha's on Oxford Street. I don't know if you <laughs> and it was hilarious. I was like, I was that in my early twenties, I was doing that. And that was great. I think that was like my first start into comedy because it was literally on a night, you'd be handing out flyers and you'd obviously get paid more if you brought people to the club. So I was like sort of bantering like to groups, comp a group of people on the street going, all right, well, Saturday, where are you going to? And then I'd take them in the club. And I started doing that Friday and Saturday nights. But again, that was the, and, and that's how I met people. I met like a few people yeah. from who worked there also. Um, and then, so it was hard for me because when I started doing open mic gigs, I, it was, I was quite lucky. It was a double-edged sword because for us in, when we started in 2000, 2001, there was none of that, you know, bring friends along, none of that paid to play or whatever, which yeah. was a huge thing. I think in the next five, 10 years, it, that's how a lot of the clubs, you know, the open mic clubs would, would get an audience. Yeah. But when you're looking, I think, I think in 2000, 2001, 2002, people were just desperate to go and see something different and, and also it was like you were mentioning you know you could go and watch jonglers in the comedy store where you get great acts but but you're paying like 15 20 quid yeah yeah that was the problem yeah, yeah. that was the problem and you can't you know there's like five of you or six of you and you want to go out for a meal and a drink and then watch a show yeah, that's you know, about 100 quid yeah exactly. yeah, yeah people can't afford that in london if they're particularly if they're paying rent mortgage mm -hmm. bills or, and then a, a night out so so it was great. I remember doing like open 
open mic gigs. Like my second gig or third gig was like in Brixton, Cold Harbour Lane. And um, so like the first one was free to get into, I think, for the audience. The second one was on a Friday night, Cold Harbour Lane. And the guy that did the devil, what's he called? Um, the black guy, big tall black guy. And I think he might have passed away now. He's called, uh, it was quite well known. He always used to Felix Dexter. No, not Felix. He wasn't a comedian. He was he was like um, really well spoken. He did like um, them shows on Channel Four where it was like he would judge things like you know good or bad, and he would go to places. God, he was he was really well known. I'll, I'll have to find out. But anyway, so he was at this gig. He was just stood in the doorway, and it was great. And I just thought, oh my god, that's that guy from TV. And and he just turned up, and he and I thought, is he performing? Wasn't even performing. He was just coming to watch. He was just there. <laughs> This is brilliant. I thought, wow. I saw <laughs> uh, and then and then it was like I think it was like um two pound fifty, three quid wow. maybe in. And it was brilliant because like look, I was quite new, but on the bill there was a couple of other acts and then there was the comp was a bit more professional, even though and then what I think the closing act had done quite a few gigs. He was quite he was he was quite well known. So you know, for the difference of do you want to spend 20 quid plus travel to go in the West End and have a night out and then, you know, pay for a tax about and play West End prices as well for drinks or come to like somewhere out in Brixton that's out, or somewhere further out of town, pay three quid and also the drinks were cheaper. And Brilliant, yeah. It was easier to get an audience. I mean, it was, I remember that gig, it's only a small, it was a small little room, but it was packed, you know. Yeah. And, I thought, and it's a shame. I think we were quite lucky back then. Yeah. That you could do that, you know, you could, whereas now it's like, it's hilarious because, I mean, this is quite interesting because I did a lot, I did a lot of my first open mic gigs in London for the first year or two. And it was great because you could literally, I could go around and do two gigs a night. I could do, you know, I could do like 12 gigs a week, in, even though I was, wasn't, I was an unprofessional comedian. I was like a brand new comic. And then, but then, then eventually I would go back up north to do stuff. Right. But the problem was up north, and you know what it's like, I mean, between where you were from Carlisle and between where I'm from, like Middlesbrough, back then in 2000, between that whole area, there was probably about three gigs. I mean, where in Middlesbrough, there was no gigs whatsoever. There was the closest one, I think there was Leeds Jonglers. The closest one was Newcastle Hyena. So I was literally in the middle of either the Hyena or Newcastle or Jonglers in Leeds. And that was it, you know. Yeah, yeah. In London, you could go out and there'd be three gigs on like, you know, one street or whatever, you know, so it was... It is know. amazing being here. I've, I've, I've been in London for 28 years and, and yeah. I absolutely love it. So yeah. you're um, on stage doing your stuff. Uh, what do you like to talk about mainly on stage? Do you have any themes? Do you have anything you can you keep recurring or do you, is it mainly spontaneity? I, I've sort of, you know, it's quite funny. I always, I, I always look at people like Madonna, and I always think a comedians like that, you've got to keep constantly evolving. Yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. you want to stay relevant and you want to survive in an industry, because comedy, you know, is entertainment. You've got to keep adapting to it, you know. And 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 I think, I think that's what I'd be like. Where, yeah, when I first started out, it was about okay. I've got, uh, you've got five minutes, here's the jokes, there's no mess about, hello, good evening, I come from here, this is what I do, bang, bang, and it was like this. And then, and I was tired to doing that, doing the five minutes, and then, and then I started, um, when I was traveling more, going out, 
because in London, you know, it's like you, they've only got a certain time, 20 acts or 18 acts or yeah. what, five minutes we've got to be finished by 10, 30, whatever. But then um, when I went up north and was doing gigs, it was hilarious because they would just go, right, there's only there's only there's only three comics on. The other lad, the other lad's gonna come across from Preston, so he won't be here for another for another hour and a half. Or so go on, go on and just enjoy yourself, and then I'll give you a wave. I'll give you a wave. You just go on it. You'll be like, oh, okay then. And then and <laughs> only in the north. <laughs> yeah, monkeys. They just let you go. So I was doing, I was doing so. Then I sort of started doing a bit of banter, a bit of chat with it, and I thought, oh, actually, this is quite. And, I thought, oh, this is great because actually for me, it's quite fresh. Yeah. And also for the audience it is because the audience can say, oh yeah, wow, this, this he obviously hasn't prepared this. This hasn't happened before. This isn't, and it's probably not going to happen again. He's not going to do this. <laughs> so I, I, that sort of, that became a big part of my um, evolution in stand-up, I think, because yeah. I went through that where I was non- and I think I'm still the same, you know, I'm non-threatening, there's yeah. nothing really controversial, there's nothing, I, you know, I'm not going to offend anyone, I'm not, you know, there's there's some comics who do that, and they're brilliant at that, but that's just not my thing, you know, it's not... Um, I was, I was I just going to say, I think you're one of the best at being very endearing and very welcoming on stage, and it's, it's, it's mm. wonderful to see, because whenever I do watch you, you walk out with such confidence and you're like, right, I'm going to make this audience laugh before they, before, before I can carry it out. And you do. It's, 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 it's just fantastic. Well, and do you know what that is? And it's funny because I, I know, like, that's a lovely thing to say. Thank you for that. And I know it's funny when people go, oh, it's, it's confidence or this, but, but I think it's actually an enjoyment. I yeah. literally, I, I love it. I mean, I, it, it is so funny. Sometimes I think I even, enjoy going to the gig more than the audience do you know like you'll see someone here's <laughs> a classic if you go to like things that like i always do edinburgh festival every year if you go to these festivals and and you know i just love i mean it's it's i mean it's like you've landed in heaven you oh, know there's comedy you see everyone yeah and it's brilliant but but what's so funny is after after a week or a couple of days you'll see some audience or some people and and you'll see them in the queue and they've got like an itinerary list and they look <laughs> and and they be like they're on to their like 70 second show and they look like they're gonna die and you That's just me. Think, yeah, <laughs> but i'm still really, going <laughs> you're still no, but you're, you're like oh, oh but this is brilliant <laughs> But, but what I don't understand is you, you'll see some people who've got, they've got loads of shows and then, but they're not doing it, they're just sitting watching the show having a right laugh, but then some people go, oh, we've got too many shows. Yeah. I'm thinking, we're having a life for Riley, just go and sit, have a drink, watch the show, it's exactly. great. Exactly, exactly. I'm turning up like, I'm going, oh my God, I can't wait, here, here we go, gig number 782 tonight, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so I, I, um, I, I uh, went on a half day writing course when this blog was conceived and uh, i've told a lot of comedians this um uh i went and there was a lot of reviewers people who wanted to be reviewers and uh the woman who ran the course came to me and said um we we forget why we invited you here i said well there was a comment on my blog you very kindly invited me i said but can i just say i'm not a reviewer i'm not a diarist i'm not a reporter and i'm not a critic I said, I, I, I'm a member of the audience and I'm out to have a good time. And that's mm. why this blog, I believe, is an enthuse for all the great people that go out there each and every night and perform. Mm. 
And she looked at me and she went, oh, we like you and never bothered me again. Because <laughs> that's what it's all about. Nobody wants to go and hear hecklers or people who think they're better than the comedians. They're there to see the comedy. Otherwise, you shouldn't be there. Exactly. Honestly, Rich, and I'm not just saying this, but if there was like 600 people like you in the audience every night, it'd be, you know, it would fall. We'd like, everyone would be going, this is, it, it, you know what I mean? No one's going to be you're like a connoisseur of comedy where it's like you're like the equivalent of a, a young female a young male version of mary berry you know like the way that mary <laughs> <laughs> i think like, that's a compliment you can see people they've obviously looked at paul and they come on you know you can bake this cake. Come on, we're going to love it. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, and I love that. Yeah, Maybe. it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. Um, I, I can't imagine you having any bad gigs because you're that enthusiastic for your craft like me. You must have had some. We're talking about your best and worst gigs now. Yeah. And, and listen, if you've ever met anyone who says they've never had a bad gig, then you say that. <laughs> Honestly, that that person who thinks they've never had a bad gig, they they need help because they'll be delusional. <laughs> even even like even like Richard Pryor or Robin Williams, yeah, the, yeah. the best of the best. I mean, they're going to tell you that you know, and even watch it, you're going to think these people cannot fail. They're never going to, but it's going to happen. Of course, it does. You know, it's and and they only get better. I mean, look at was it Dave Chappelle or someone who who did a he was saying about. I mean, he's exceptional you watch yeah. someone like and you think this guy is not bulletproof he's rocket proof i mean you how are you gonna you can't you can't chink his arm i mean he's so good. <laughs> and then there's like there's footage of him where he got booed off stage and he died you just think what the hell's going on? and then and that and, and the only reason he's doing that is because he's so good he knows yeah, yeah. And making him better and this is this is what i say to everyone that you know yeah look anyone anyone can do well at a gig you know where um people have come to see you and you're doing your thing you know anyone could do well look you've got you know what you're doing is your routines is my is the show i'm going to get from a to b this is what we do i'm a little mess about the audience have seen me loads of times the audience i love them they love me we're gonna have a right laugh that's great you can do that all the time and and not a problem but the problem is the all these gigs every time you keep doing well you are you head into like one gig that's going to be disastrous and normally for me i've had a few where it's been um like corporates you know yeah, when people yeah. always go i would never do a corporate i love doing corporates because they are they are always a tough gig but when you when you nail a corporate when you smash a corporate gig where there's like you know 450 people dressed up in tuxedos and dresses and half of them not even facing you they're all in a big table that is but if you go on and you nail that gig and then suddenly they're all turning their chairs out and then it's brilliant there you know you do you only met to do half an hour you end up doing like 45 50 minutes they want a bit more it's great and you've gone do you know what that is a gig you think this gig was you know was unplayable really but it's become a great gig and so you do they're the gigs where you become where you learn and i and i've done some gigs that yeah where mainly i mean yeah a couple of corporates i've done where you know you will just die and and what i always think is i always come off to myself and i think do you know what never blame the audience you can't blame them 
I always think, I come off and I go, okay, what would, what would someone else, what would like, you know, what would like, you know, Robin Williams done? What would Peter Kay have done? What would they done? And you think, if the audience didn't know who they were, if they, if they went on and they weren't famous, how would they have done it? And you realize that, yeah, there's, what they would have done is they're not going to nail everyone because not everyone's come to see you. It's like, it's like if you went to me, um, I want you to go and play the 19, uh, night bus coming home at 1am <laughs> do you know what Rich I'm not going to be able to make everyone laugh but if I can get three of their people to laugh That's do you know what is a result and and this is what I always say to everyone particularly if you know when you if you see younger comics or newer comics and um and they'll chat to him, go oh god I lost my confidence I struggled with this I did that and I said listen you were already going to now, you're going to be about five times better than you were. You needed that gig. You know that gig where um, you lost the audience, that yeah. gig where you didn't get everyone, that gig because that's where you're learning. There's no point going on, you're going to do 100 gigs where they're going to keep laughing and clapping at everything because you go, yeah. well, if I say anything, you know, I'm, I can do it. It's, you're not going to learn anything from that. So it was, yeah, I've had loads. I mean, God, I, I did it. I think that's exactly right because yeah. no matter whether you have a good gig or a bad gig it's all experience and it makes you a better comedian yeah yeah good I mean, or I, bad yeah yeah i i did i did one gig and it was um god it, it was it, and it was like a corporate gig. and this this is what it was like basically they were all like not just multi multi-millionaires but like billionaires they're all like people who owned aviation companies like you know air, they they owned like airlines, these people are ridiculously rich. Wow. And I said, I said to major, what the hell am I doing this? I thought, oh my God, <laughs> basically what happened was they had, uh, they had like McIntyre the year before, and he was obviously getting a lot more than I was doing. And this is like only a couple, a few years ago. And McIntyre, it was huge. And he was getting paid loads for this gig. Right. And I got paid well, but obviously not the same as that. But um, and when I turned up and I said, oh yeah, how's it going? And and because they'd seen that obviously I can do material, but I can obviously deviate from the material. And um, and they said that um, when I went on, I did the first bit. You have to do go on, you do first whatever twenty minutes, and then you have a break, then you yeah. go back on a bit more, then you do the awards. And when I went on and did the first bit, I thought this is hard. I thought I mean they're hard. I mean they're just sort of I got a few of them, but not much. And I was thinking, God, what what is going on here? What's uh, and and then you realise because. They're not their their observations are not the same as us. You know these yeah. are, these are these people own airlines. These are billionaires. They don't have everyday observations like us. So we're doing jokes about the supermarket or you know Primark. These people don't know. They're not going to know what a bag for life is. So it was like, <laughs> and, but, it, but again, because you're yeah. playing a specific audience, yeah. it's all experience. Yeah, and then yeah. and then it reaches you, and then it thought I thought okay. Uh, and, then, and because I had done so many gigs, I was on stage and I was thinking, okay, I've got to go back on after this. And I thought, look, I can either stay here and die, or I can I can drop something and try and get into the audience. And I started playing with a few of them, and oh, it was brilliant. quite. Good. And I was like playing with a couple, and I was getting a few. Obviously, I was never going to win this audience or all of them, but I'm getting some tables. And I thought, result, okay, let's get that. They're interested. Table number three is laughing. Let's keep them on board. Let's keep them. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious when I when I came off uh, for the break, and then they had like uh, God, they had like this band uh, playing. It was um, God. They were they had like a big hits in the charts. Like they like this, they pay this band loads, so they come on, then I had to come back on. Anyway, so um, 
when I came off, I went, bloody hell. And then one of the guys came over from the audience. He said, he said, well done, mate. He said, we had Michael McIntyre here last year. He walked off after like 12 minutes. Wow, thought, oh, wow, so wow. I, 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 I first saw him play a hut in Edinburgh, about 20 people. And you could yeah. tell then that he would be oh, big. And uh, with um, Peter Kay, I first saw him in a club in Manchester before he was Ooh. famous. And he was on a bill of five acts. He was fourth on and I laughed so hard I missed the fifth act. And I said yeah. to my mate, he's gonna be a superstar. And I've seen I've seen both of them many times. They are very, very funny people. But I, I am I'm so jealous because I I'd never worked but I've seen him Peter Kale once when I was doing a gig in crew with Jason uh, Manford. Oh, love yeah. Peter Kay came to watch Jason and it was funny that's the only time I've ever sort of seen him walking in, in past but I've never seen him I'd love to see him live because he's so good. But McIntyre, I have done done loads of gigs with Mike McIntyre. And amazing. I mean I, I knew even from like you say, you know, when you first see them. I mean he was around before I started, but I remember when I started doing gigs, same as like Mickey Flanagan. Yeah. You know when you do these gigs, you turn up and you're like the open spot or the middle act, you're like the baby act. And then you see someone like Michael McIntyre closing or Mickey Flanagan. And I'm watching, I'm thinking, why are these, why are they here? I mean, why are they, <laughs> why, are they this? Why, is, why is this person not on TV just doing their own thing? I mean, they, what is going on? What is, I, 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 well, they were there to perform and to see yeah, how the yeah. audience were doing, yeah, etc. Et yeah, yeah, but, but I'm just thinking, how is this person not? How are they not? You know, they should be playing in Wembley Stadium already. You know, you just see them, and then you, and then it's not a surprise when you think, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> we had I had uh, Justin Moorhouse on here uh, in, interviewed him. And he told me all about how he met Peter Kay and all about Phoenix Nights and everything. It was wonderful to hear mm. because uh, there was such a good ensemble for that yes. show. Anyway, yeah. let's move on to Edinburgh because um, I go to Edinburgh every year, the Fringe. Um, I first went in 2005. I absolutely love it. As soon as I step off the train at, at Waverley, the atmosphere just hits you. And it's incredible. And I, I go for a week. I always try and go for the middle week. I, I invite loads of friends who love it as well. And I see it must be about 50 shows and I can't get enough of it. It's just the best atmosphere. Tell me about your first Edinburgh Festival and what year was it and what was it like? Well, for me, I, I again, because like I said, I didn't, I didn't know what a live stand-up was before the year 2000. I didn't know that this was a career. I didn't know people could actually just go around to pubs, clubs and make a living. I didn't even know these things existed. So Edinburgh Festival, I didn't even know it existed until 2001. I had entered um, a competition. It doesn't run anymore, I don't think. Well, it doesn't run anymore. It was called the Daily Telegraph New Act of the Year competition. Right. And it was um, Avalon was sort of sponsoring it with the Telegraph. And um, so basically, I entered like one of these heats, they were doing like heats all over the UK and you have to do one of the heats, then you go through to like a semi, then they put you through and then if you, if you get through that, then you go through to the final. So I'd, I'd done one of these heats, I was in like, and they ran them all across universities, across wherever, across the UK. And I did one, Paul Sinner was on, yeah. he was the professional act, I was the open spot and I remember he was driving me back and he was giving me some advice and he was really nice and then um, 
And then the, I didn't think, I don't know if I'd hear anything back. Then I heard back and they said, yeah, we're going to put you through to the semi-final. So I went into the semi-final in London and they had judges there and everything. So they'd have like semi-finals all over like the UK, Scotland, Ireland. And, um, and in my semi-final, they had like a couple of critics and judges there and um, John Maloney actually was comparing it. And loads of acts um, really polished. Everyone was good at that. But yeah. I think, I think, you know, every with a final or a competition, because I'd done so, so many gigs in that point. I'd been going for a year, I was brand new, but I was gigging all the time doing five minutes. And also I had a nice sweet spot on the bill. I was somewhere in the middle of this act. You don't want to be on too late, you don't want to be on too early. And then, yeah, and I don't know how I did it, but I managed to win that heat. And I, went, I was like, oh my God. And then they, and I thought, oh, right, okay, this is brilliant. So what happens that? And then they go, right, um, uh, you're going up to the Edinburgh Festival. I said, you're going up to Edinburgh. I said, what am I going up to Edinburgh for? And they went, because at that point, I didn't know what Edinburgh was because I was, I suddenly was going to get loads of gigs in August because yeah, yeah. all these open markets, there's no comics in London. So I thought, this is brilliant. Everyone's vanished. So let's do some gigs. And then they went, okay, this is 2001, August. They went, uh, you're going up to Edinburgh. The finals there, they paid for the train tickets and the hotel. So all of us were in this final, 10 of us up there. And um, and when I went up, we, we performed in, it was like a pleasant venue in the Roxy, which I think is assemblies now. And, it, and I remember doing it going down there. And I think Al was a judge. I think um, Mark Lamar was a judge. The guy, Nigel uh, Lathorn or whatever it was, he was a judge and someone else. Um, and I remember just it was packed, and it, and it and and I thought, oh my god, what is going? Where are all these people coming from? And it's like, it's like, it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? And it was two o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, it's two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And, I thought, <laughs> and then because we'd all done that, they um, and because it was Avalon, they gave us loads of oh sorry, they gave us loads of tickets, like um, uh, and passes, like a pass, and they said you can go and watch the other shows. So I was walking round. Like anybody, and I was like walking past people like, isn't that a Steve Coogan? What's he doing? That's <laughs> that guy off Channel 4. Who's he? And he was like, it is, it is, it's brilliant. It's it's yeah. so, so good. I, I, um, uh, um, the first year I went, uh, I had a go with stand up comedy first ah. and last time. <laughs> well, no, never say never again, but the story yeah. which I've told to many a comedian, um. Yeah. I know the, or I knew the, the chap who used to run the free fringe and uh, I said to him, I need to get this out of my system because I go and support everybody, but I think I could have a go and do it. And he said, he said, oh, he said, uh, we can put you on in the hay market for a gong show, which is for old folk. On a, on a on a Wednesday afternoon, I said, "All right then, okay." So I re I did this script about me crashing cars in Carlisle. I I I, I, know, I was never a very good driver, and and I thought this is quite good. And I read it to him, and he said, "Oh yeah, that's really good." He said, "Right," he said, "You're on. You've got three minutes." So I walked out. There was three people in the crowd, and uh, the first thing I said to them was. Um, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself. The ski jumper. <laughs> and somebody just yelled out the back, fuck off and come me off. And I walked off to my own footprints. And then, <laughs> and then he said, go and have another go. There's another one later. Go and have another. So I had another go. Similar thing happened. And I said to him, look, I said, 
I think my place is in the audience. Never say never. But Rich, that's a good joke. That is brilliant. Well, well, when I was at college, um, people used to stop me in the street because I was at college in Stoke in the late eighties when he was really famous. Yeah. And 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 my friends at college uh, got got they got me to meet him. He was opening a radio rentals in Stoke, <laughs> <laughs> and I met him. And he went, "Oh my God!" I said, "I know." <laughs> yeah. It was a really nice guy. Oh, he was brilliant. He was really lovely. Yeah, yeah. My, so my um twenty foot my eighteenth birthday was at a nightclub called the front page in Carlisle and my brother did the tickets the ticket said and once again Eddie Edwards makes the front page um, <laughs> anyway enough of that um, you also and I really want to talk to you about this you also hold the record for the longest hug uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe which was 25 hours and 25 minutes incredible that was achieved at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2013 I think this is a brilliant device to win over an audience. I've seen you many times do it. How did the hugging come about? It was, uh, do you know what? It's just a natural thing, I think. I think it's like, you know, with all comics or comedy, I think you've got to find your natural voice. And I think for me, like we had mentioned before, it's like, you know, when I come on, it's not, I'm not going to be threatening. There's no, no threat. I'm not coming on. You know, some people come on and it's like, they go, it's them and us, I'm going to be like this. Whereas I come on and go, all right, what's up? I, I won. <laughs> coming on from the back of the audience. I don't want to come on from the back of a stage or something. I, I always hate it because like you just feel like, okay, it's them and us, you're away. Whereas when I get a chance to, whenever, if I'm at a show somewhere, if there is a compare or someone's on, so obviously if I'm doing a tour show and you have to come from a theatre and come on the back or the side. But if I'm at some other show, if there's a compare or someone on, so what I do is I always go, listen, I'm going to sit out the back. When you bring me on, I'm just going to walk through the audience. I'll come up through the side because I love it because it's like, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How you do it, and then and then you might recognise some people, give someone a hug, and then you're getting on set, and it's it's nice. It's, it's brilliant. Like, it's, yeah. It's, for me, it's really nice. Well, I love that whole thing. You know, you're connecting. Everyone's we're having a good time. It's it. You know, it's live. It's happening, and I think it just naturally grew from there. Where uh, you know people just sort of knew me as the hugger or this guy that just oh uh, don't sit in the front he's gonna hug you it's so we'll really great i think i think as well doing something like that um once you've once you've done something like that you can then say practically anything to them because you've got them yeah you're they're on your side they're wanting to have a good time and exactly. i think it's I, th I think it's terrific i really do it's, it's such a good device yeah because it, and, and also it shows I think it, it, it shows them that look, you're you're a human being as well. Yeah. You're not going. You're not coming on. You're not just going to come. And there's nothing wrong with that. That you know, you get some great comments who come on and go, "Good evening." So my name is. I do this. I do this. And that is brilliant. <laughs> well, it, look, Jerry Seinfeld, I think, is amazing. Yeah, comment. yeah, yeah. But but that that works for him because he's so good. Like, you know, he's not going to he's not going to come and touch. He's not going to have a shake. So he's not going to give you a hug. But he <laughs> comes out and he's brilliant. You watch him do his stand up, and that's what he does. But I think, uh, for me, it's just like, do you know what, I want people to know that, you know what, I, I'm not going to come on here and just, if you want to see me do um, my script in my show, then I've got DVDs, you can just sit yeah, home, yeah. you don't yeah. need to come and see me live if you want to do that, whereas this is a live experience, what you're going to see here tonight, 
is going to be different to when you come and see me again in six months or if you see me next year. You know, they're always going to be different shows anyway. You can come and see me in a I've seen you many times on stage, both at the Edinburgh Fringe and in London. I'm always sitting in the front row laughing loudly at you, and I think your routines are brilliant. Uh, please tell me if you have a writing process or where your ideas come from, please. Yeah, I mean, again, that that is, again, that comes from finding your voice over years. Of so, and I, I always, I try and do the same thing. I've obviously, I, I've, progress with it a bit more now whereas when you first start out it's like anything you know you're doing any job you've got to sit there and um you've got to you've got to put the work in you know it's like yeah. um like anything you know no one's going to be able to to write a book if they just go oh do you know what i think i'll i might you know the deadlines for that in six months i think i'll sit down you know two days before it's got to go you can't with with, with us with stand up and this is why i love doing things like edinburgh festival because do an enemy show and tour every year because you've got to tour right you've got to bring a new show every year you know i'm doing edinburgh every year you get the same audience plus you'll get their friends plus you'll get family plus you get yeah, some yeah but you can't do the same thing i mean you can but then that audience is not going to come back again you know so it's it what i do is i think right i'm gonna i'm gonna write i'm gonna do a new show and, and I always, you know, you'll speak to other comics and they go, what are you doing every year? That's ridiculous. It's too much. I can't, I can't write a new 60 minute show for next year. I go, are you mad? What are you doing for the last, <laughs> for the next 12 <laughs> 60 minutes. I mean, and it's not even 60 minutes. You only have to write 55 minutes because the first two minutes is you will go, good evening, what's that day? <laughs> it was not Oh God, bloody freezing again! I mean, there's your first minute, and then the last minute is like, "Hey, thanks for hey, listen." So anyway, I'm selling DVDs. <laughs> How can you not write 55 minutes, 60 minutes a year? I mean, it's, it, it's awful. my dad. I, I, my dad. My dad used to, you know, he'd be working at the blast furnace six and a half days a week, and he'd literally have half a day off on a Sunday. He would work, and it and it would make me feel guilty, you know, yeah, that I yeah. I was going out doing it when you first start you're doing gigs for like 10 minutes 12 minutes or 15 minutes that's it <laughs> that's then 20 so, minutes. it's so true it's yeah. so true and half an hour and then and you speak to these comics and or anyone you know and they'll be going like oh no it's it's hard i don't know if i can I, i'm gonna have next year often because i need to um, <laughs> but 12 months what the hell i mean you could literally if you put that down that's like you've got um, 12 months, four weeks a year. Even if you wrote five minutes, you wouldn't even have to write five minutes a month. I mean, that is <laughs> And that's like, that's like Brilliant. one minute a week. So it's just shocking. So I always, and, and also it's like, um, at first, yeah, I understand. Look, at first, if you're already a comic who's been going for a couple of years, then it is quite daunting because yeah. you spend, it is so hard to get that first five or 10 minutes and 20 minutes. I remember that back then, but then, you've got no excuse once you've been going five ten years 15 years because it's not that because you're going to be so bored of doing that also yeah, you've got exactly yeah yeah and, and and i was like that where i actually you know i couldn't wait for like um you know i got to a point now where i, I couldn't wait for like the summer to come june and july because i've been touring the last show which was only i mean the last show was only seven eight months old but i'm i've got loads of these new ideas loads of new stuff that i want and i'm going i can't wait to june and july so i can just go out with a brand new hour yeah something could be good something would be horrific but it doesn't matter i'm going to get i'm just going to be able to talk about new bits and pieces and just do so and exactly, then go yeah. 
oh, it's just, yeah, and how could you not, you know, Brilliant. I never... Um, you won the television competitions Take the Mic in 2001 and Show Me the Funny in 2011. Describe these experiences. What do you think of competitions anyway? Do you think they're a good thing? That sort of thing. Yeah, I think, look, I think with um, the most important thing about competitions are they're not gonna they're not gonna make you a, a good comedian or a great comedian but they are gonna give you some skills they're gonna give you the stage time which is what any if you want to be a good comedian or a great comedian you need to be able, you need to write material and perform competitions are giving you that they're giving you that opportunity to say but well, look we're gonna give you a stage we're giving you an audience uh, and we're going to give you a chance to perform. And in a competition, it's about you bring your best jobs, bring bring some good stuff, write for it. So, so all of this is great because it motivates you to do it. Yeah, to yeah, do it. yeah. And and then two competitions that you mentioned. I mean, I entered loads of like different competitions starting out because back then that was the only way you know you could get like a decent audience. Yes, you go yeah. to, do that. Um, I remember the the take the mic two thousand and one. I mean that. Uh, that was great because you get a mentor. We had Stephen Camos. Here's a classic thing. In that show, they basically, which you never saw on camera, the warm-up for that show was Michael McIntyre, right? And he was, he was already, you know, he was already good. Like, And, and you watch him because normally to be a warm-up for a TV show, which I've done as well, you have to have years of experience. You have to be, they, they, they're paying, you know, they're paying good money to... They're putting the trust in him to go, right, we need this one because he's literally like the presenter that you don't see. He's going to get this audience laughing. And he was great. And I remember watching him and thinking, God, yeah, he's really good, this guy. And and doing that show was so good because it's like you feel that pressure of uh, doing five minutes, I've got to perform, do my good stuff and, and learn how to do it. And also, you know, play to a camera, play to the audience, play to judges. So you're learning different things because yeah, these are yeah. so my life um and yeah and i i say to people look definitely if you get an opportunity do do some competition because listen if you do a competition and we and i've spoken to some like really like big professional like comics big comics who had their own tv shows i remember before i was doing um show me the funny that one in 2011 spoke to a couple of people and they had their own shows and some of them were really for it and then some because i I was getting advice to chat and going, you've got to be careful because, you know, if you do this competition, go on TV, it could, either way, it could, it could be disastrous for you, it could be good or bad. No, look, I've got, you've got nothing to lose. When you go and do a competition, yeah, if, if you're um, Peter K, you're not going to go and do a five minute new art competition, like show me the food. But the thing is, I wasn't really known, you know, I wasn't, yeah, yeah. I, I'd done, all the TV I'd done at that point was things like Paul O'Grady's show, because I was doing the warm-up for the show, and he was so good, he'd put me on the show, and I'd go on camera doing bits and pieces. Yeah. And just, well, I, I was starting to do stuff, but I was known <clears throat> to, like, a daytime audience of, like, women over 80. But apart from that, there was no other, you know... And, yeah. you, and it was great, because you get to see them coming to your gigs. It does. It was I, th I think competitions obviously do give you exposure, and, and, mm. and you... Yeah. You you get your you get your name known and it can yeah. it, it can yeah. obviously lead on to greater things. And this is the thing. This is the thing. Do a competition, right? But but do it knowing what you want to get out of it. Yeah. Don't do a competition if you've only if you've only done seven gigs and and then you want to 
I want to become a, a arena selling to a comedian at a TV show. Then don't go and do a competition after seven gigs because that's not. It's not. They're not going to turn around and go. That was the best five minutes we've ever seen. Like, we've <laughs> the thing is you go on when you it, it, you know use the competition to help you get on a journey to somewhere yeah 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 not, not going to make you a great comic so that's why i would yeah i did them but i loved them yeah good um we're all living in very strange times it's been a horrible awful year um have you done many online gigs how have you found online gigs as opposed to live stand-up yeah, I've done loads, and I, do you know what the was like? Like all of us, like everyone, I, I was when it when it happened in March, the lockdown in March. I just assumed, like, oh yeah, it's only going to be a couple of weeks. I mean, I was still touring. I was in the, I was literally in the start of like a you know day <laughs> tour that was going all the way up to like end of May, start of June, and I was literally coming back. And I remember the lockdown because I literally come back on a tuesday the wednesday i had like liverpool tour show booked in that thursday night i had billingham forum booked in friday night we'd sold hundreds and tickets so loads of stuff people messing like this and on that wednesday night the announcement it came and boris had said right you you know we're we want people to stay home but you know do not go out but they haven't closed anything down they just said don't go out so literally i was that my agent, I was saying to my agent, so what we do, I don't understand. So we're still going ahead. <laughs> I think we could still go ahead. They seem wow. to be more. And literally, um, the day, uh, Liverpool, they, they cancelled. They just said, look, we can't do this. You know, people aren't coming around. Then on the Friday, I was still getting messages. People like, look, we've got tickets. What's happening? And I got, I don't know. You got, they're <laughs> all putting on my social media and all this. And then even my agent was saying, yeah, the venue, they're still happy to go ahead, but they don't know what's happening. Yeah. And, I mean, if you look back on it now, you think, God, how crazy was that? That we Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundreds of people in a, in a theatre in Birmingham for, in, during, like, the start of this pandemic. And then they just cancelled it. So obviously they postponed it. And then, um, and then I wasn't, I mean, I, I was a bit caught in the first, but then I just thought, Do you know what? It's only going to be a couple of weeks. We'll be back <laughs> on it. And then, I mean, oh my God, it literally, <laughs> everything, and it just went like dominoes, ding, 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 yeah, everything, yeah. in April, bam, 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 and then oh. further, so I thought, do you know what, um, you can't wait around, you've got to start doing something different, so I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is, um, I'm going to do some online shows, I started doing Zooms, I do them every Wednesday, I do a Zoom show every Wednesday at 7.15, and I do a live Facebook show every Saturday night. And it's brilliant. I get to do like you I've know. I've seen a few yeah. of your Saturday night ones. They're brilliant. Thank really you. good. And it's great because you can just get to do so. And I know if, if people haven't seen it, they're going, "What? How does it work?" Well, it's dead easy because you are still performing. It's like you're doing a show. Yeah. But instead of people heckling or chatting or whatever, they just comment. They can write in. So it's like when I'm going like, "Good evening." Anyway, this happens to me. You don't and then people write in, and I can see the comments, and then I can react to it as if. As if I was doing a survey in the audience, you know, like if you're doing a gig and you're going, right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Have we got anyone from the north? Who's here from the north? And then obviously people just write in, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and you know what? I think I think it has been it's been good. It's been a good skill to do. Yeah, it's different. I mean, yeah. When I first, I remember. I mean, it was it wasn't plain sailing. I remember doing um, even now actually sometimes because of the Wi-Fi, you're always in trouble. It's um, when I remember doing one of them, I think one of the Zooms back in like 
uh, I think April or May. And I forgot, you know, when your Wi-Fi has to be 100%. And I was doing it in one of the rooms in the house just over there. And, doing this stuff, and then the bloody signal's going, so I'm freezing. I've got all these people. people on the Believe me, that's happened quite a bit with me yeah. with this. <laughs> I'm isn't it? Because Rich, you can see it. I'm just, I can see it. <laughs> Well, it's like walking, so I'm in this room now, we have to come up where the roots are is, and um, then I'm, yeah. I'm literally... It's a pain in the neck, it really is. Like this, just on the foot, just <coughs> get people and just like... But then I've learned now after that, I think, you know, um, find a good space, yeah. and then, um, yeah, and it's been brilliant. I think, I think, I know, I know some comics, I was thinking some people back then, and I do understand it's not for everyone, but I think it is. I think if you just really go for it. I, I agree. I mean, my my view is that it's a super substitute for the real thing. I mean, if it if it if it wasn't there, I don't know what I would have done in lockdown. I'd have just been looking at four walls. Yeah. Um, I, I I go to Sean James's Happy Mondays one. I go to Always Be Comedy a lot, uh, and I go to Jarlath Regan's Irish one on a Friday night. And um, when it first started, there was no audio, so I was just sitting here laughing at these four walls, and I thought I was going to be taken away. But then some bright spark. I think it was, I'm sure it was James Gill. Uh, I'd always be comedy switched on the audio for the front row so they could banter and chat with the comedians mm. and it, you, they could hear them so the timing and all the rest of it was really good um, yeah. and they've all of them now have just gone through a year of lockdown and uh, yeah. um, uh, you, you've got to commend them for doing that when it's done yeah. well it's really good but on yeah. the other hand you can't beat the real thing i mean i really yeah. miss going to yeah. going to the comedy clubs headliners so theater whatever yeah. and yeah. having a meal a bit a beer yeah. with my friends and then a real guttural laugh at a comedy yeah. show where you're just experiencing what's happening in that one room at that moment. It's magical. Yeah, and that's the thing you need. That that, that that's the whole point of live comedy is that yeah. interaction with people. But I I learned that as well. That was the thing you were saying about you know when like the Facebook Live on the Saturdays. I get so used to that where yeah you can't hear people, you can see the message. But when I did the Zoom thing, I that's why I love doing the Zoom because you unmute people, so you have like the front row. You have like the front row screen where people you can hear the laughter you can hear, and, it, and you're like oh yeah, yeah now yeah. we're almost there and yeah. i think yeah look there is no alternative at the moment you know it's either do nothing or you know get online you've got to you've got to get well, online. I, hope, I hope really hope live comedy is going to come back very soon um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it is um yeah. who are your favorite comedians past and present so i um obviously dave allen was one of them just Amazing. I mean, you, you had seen bloody Tommy Cooper as well, yeah. who I thought great. Oh, he was magical. Absolutely. Brilliant. I mean, these these were the ones where you see them on TV and you just think, yeah, they're great at that. But I but I have to say, in terms of for a different league, though, I think people like Richard Pryor and Robin Williams. Yeah. I mean, it just when you watch people like that, then you think they're oh, on my fire, God. aren't they? When they go yeah. on stage, they just make anything. What? I, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, Richard Pryor, I mean, I always, every now and again, and I, I recommend it to anyone, just 
if you even if you're not feeling good in life, if you're feeling bad in life, you're feeling anything, just go and read Richard Pryor's book or watch a bit of Richard Pryor because it's just like he's brilliant. And it just rains up his life because you it, it, it doesn't you know people always go oh god I've had a hard life I've had this you think no you haven't watch watch Richard Pryor and look at the way he turns that into comedy. Yeah, he just it, it's magical, it's isn't it? Yeah. Wow, and just to listen to it and just and the same with Robin Williams. I mean Robin Williams. He, he's more of like, even though you don't really get to see his real life, but it's just mayhem, but it's just the way he observes things is beautiful. And I suppose Billy Connolly as well. Billy Connolly's so good at that. I, I got to see him twice and he was incredible. He, he really was. It was just, how is he making all yeah. this up on the spot? And yet he's not. He knows exactly what he's doing. It, 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 it was just... Phenomenal. When, when did you see Billy Connolly? I saw him uh, about 2012, something like that. So it mm. was he was getting on a bit, but he wasn't mm. as sadly as ill as he is now. You know, he was still mm. obviously gigging. It's 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 he, a shame. I, I saw him in um, I think I can't remember. It was 2007 or 2010, yeah. and he was on uh, like you know I, we've all seen him obviously on telly and stuff, and I'd never seen him live. And I think actually, I think it was Sean James actually who was saying, "Oh, let's go and watch this." So I went. Yeah. It was during the week, and it was hilarious because I didn't know what to expect. Normally, if you see a show, and I didn't really watch that much live comedy, but if you go and see a show, you know, like it's normally there's a support act, there's a break, and then there's the main act he's doing his like the show, the guy that comes to see you an hour, or whatever. So Billy Connolly comes on, not even a, not even an announcement, <laughs> comes on like something with like tracksuit bottoms or whatever. He's Baggy t-shirt and piece of paper. <laughs> then literally for three hours and like ten minutes, he just banned that. It's just oh, brilliant. It's amazing. It's incredible. No break. Yeah, no break. Nothing. Incredible. And at the end of it, he just goes, "Thanks very much. Take uh, care." And it just walks on. You think, "Oh my god, that was amazing." He carried on and on and on and on. Yeah. The other, the other great one is Ken Dodd. I saw him a number oh. of times. Yeah. And uh, I once got into an arg well, a playful argument with Ken Dodd. I saw him at Crew. I used to live in Crew for a while, yeah. and um, <clears throat> I uh, his show wasn't going that well. And uh, we got to the interval, and and I said, no, no. I said to my mate, no, let's stay. And we came back. He came back on, and he started with a uh, routine about what the newspaper was in Crew. And uh, two old ladies behind me said, he said, what's the um, newspaper in crew? And these two went, oh, it's the Chronicle. And I turned around and went, no, 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 it's the Mail. And, and they went, no, no, it's the Chronicle. He went, no, no, it's the Mail. And it floored him. He actually started laughing and he looked at me and he said, well, where are you from, sir? I said, I'm from Carlisle. He said, all right, I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> and at the end of it, the point of taking the mickey out of me for the rest of the half which he did was yeah. that he needed some something from the audience me on this case and he gave me a thumbs up at the end of it it was just wonderful to see because he he elevated that half it was it it, it was extraordinary um, it is it is i've got it's all in my blog all these stories um, like like me do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience, either as a comedian or before you became a comedian? No, well, yeah, honestly, before I became a comic, didn't even know, like I said, I didn't know there was live gigs. I did. I, I just 
thought that comics were um, like either old school, you know, that would wear like a, a, a bow tie and they would just do jokes, like jokes, that sort of thing. Or they were um, like, I'd sort of heard about the alternative comedy, you know, I thought it was more like sketches or, you know, like groups and stuff. So no, I didn't, I didn't know any of this, you know, because it was such a thriving, you know, you turn up to these, yeah. uh, but like I say, up north, they, they just wasn't that scene. And then, so, and then when I, when I did discover that this was happening, then I was too busy doing the gig. So I was like, literally every night. So this was the problem. I would love to go and watch them, but I was doing gigs. So it was like, literally, oh God, I've got an open mic going. I've got two gigs now. I'm going to go and do this. And then, so I would, I would try if it was, uh, like I said, like Billy Conley. I watched him yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ken Dodd, I yeah. saw him I, in, uh, just Black. incredible. He was brilliant, and it was me and my and my uh, partner, the girlfriend, and she got the tickets because she'd never seen them either. And it was hilarious because we were the we were literally the two youngest people by about forty years. Wow! In that wow! No, no, no. When I saw him, I, I saw him at the London Palladium, and then I saw mm -hmm. him in Carlisle at the Sand Centre, and the audiences were very different. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was more um, older folk who had seen him before in Carlisle, but the, right. the Palladium where he, where he, I think he played six weeks there and had the record there. It wasn't the time when I saw him, but the audience was so cross-section. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, it didn't bother. I mean, it didn't bother me because I thought we loved it actually, and actually we loved it probably more just as much as like the older bit because the yeah. older bit was grown up with him yeah yeah, they, yeah 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 and i thought he was phenomenal do you know what i loved about him was um he was clean yeah there was no, he didn't have to and and he, he was a little bit cheeky but there's not he, no one's offensive and also for a comic from that sort of age if you watch a lot of them they they were a bit so quite homophobic racist sexist yeah. Yeah. he was he didn't have to he didn't do any of that didn't have to do any of that and um so i see then I'd seen um, um, in Edinburgh. I, I think did I see Bill Burke? I can't remember. I saw like wow. in, in Edinburgh. You you don't. That's the problem. People always go, oh God, you're in Edinburgh. You know, there's three thousand shows. You can get to see everyone. And do you know how many shows I see in Edinburgh? And I've been going every year performing. <laughs> I will literally see about three shows for the whole month. Oh, if I'm, hey. oh no! <laughs> because, because you're, you're too busy, busy of course. Yeah, yeah. If you're if if you're on a bill of ads, do you stay and watch them all? If you're on first, um, it depends what I'm doing. Not I, yeah. if sometimes you're doubling up. Yeah, I, I'm only, um, if I'm not doubling up and I've got a friend or someone that you know or something, then you you'll try to. Yeah, but yeah, I suppose, yeah and um, yeah, it's hard. I'd rather watch. I'd rather watch them when they do like. I'd rather watch them do for an hour. So it's like, so like, you know, because when you're doing patient bills, it's great, but you're all sort of just going so quick, you're going, right, sure, I've only got yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, you probably know most of it, because we've all worked with most, we've all worked with each other about, you know, some people <laughs> 10 times, 100 times over the years. <laughs> well, you sort of know, you don't know each other that, but you know what. Yes, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. But but I saw um, Tommy Tiernan in Edinburgh. Oh, oh brilliant. There's oh, another one. Never seen him before in my life. Oh, he's fantastic. He's really yeah, funny. He just rants, but, but they're so well constructed. 
Brilliant. Yeah. The, the reason why I've asked those last two questions is that there is a section in my blog called The Ones That Got Away, and I've written 25 comedians who have either passed on or I haven't been able to see. And top of the tree for me was Morecambe and Wise. They're the reason why I love comedy. I'd love to have seen them. I've seen everything else about them. But the other, also in there, as you've mentioned before, Dave Allen, I almost had a chance to go and see him and I never did. He, he played a tour in London just before, it was just before he died and I couldn't get to see him. But Bob Monkhouse is in there, Norman Wisdom, um, Richard Pryor, as you say, Robin Williams, all these great, great comedy stars that uh, I wish I had seen, but I have acknowledged them by, by putting them in the blog. Um, just before we go, is there anything else you would like to say? Where can you be found on social media? Have you got any online gigs coming up? Have you got any books that you're writing or podcasts, anything like that? Well, basically, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing, uh, I do my uh, Zoom show every Wednesday night at 7.15 p.m. I always put all the details on my social media or join my uh, I, mailing list on my website has all the details. If you join the website, www.patrickmonahan.co.uk. Yeah. And, and also I do, obviously, the Facebook Live every Saturday as well. But I have got my tour. It's so for this tour that's been... Put, uh, postponed through three lockdowns so it keeps oh mate yeah no so it was literally going to be in in the spring last year then it got pushed to autumn last year then it got pushed back to spring this year then it's getting pushed back to summer autumn this year so i've got that coming up um what's that pod... called the title well it's meant to be started from the bottom now i'm here right which is, um uh, but then i've got um a new show as well called classy so it's like literally i've still got like it's like literally, am I still going to do this? Like, so my agents say, well, the theatres have all built it. It's like, but he, he still hasn't done that show. <laughs> I do my new show now, whatever. So it's like, because I'm doing my tours, I go on new theatres. I, I, I do a lot of the same theatres as well. But the thing is, some theatres you can do every 12 months, and then some theatres you have to do every few years. So it's, but then, so it's like, my whole thing is collided now. They're going, okay, but what shows is he coming back doing this, doing this? So it's, so I've got that. And then, um, do you know what? People keep asking me about doing a podcast and stuff. So I've got an idea for a podcast that I'm going to be working on. And then I'm writing a book. Wow. Um, and it's been great during lockdown because it's given me that time to actually get this stuff done. Yeah. But, um, but well, it, I, would, I would love to read your book. I'll, I'll be first in the queue to buy no. it. And I'm going to come and see you on tour. And I can't yeah. wait to see you live again, live, live, live. Um, thank you so much for your time. I could talk to you all night. It's been all day. It's been wonderful. It's been thank wonderful you. chatting to you and all the very best to you, my friend. It's been lovely chatting to you as well. Thank you very much. So nice. All the best. So nice to chat. Hello, this is Richard Gill. Thank you so much for listening to a Rich Comic Life podcast and I hope you've enjoyed the interview. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also watch the video on my YouTube channel. More comedians interviews will be added to both the podcast and my YouTube channel every weekend. Please go to www.arichcomiclife.blog to access the menu for all my blogs, 
YouTube videos, the podcast and more. And please keep listening, watching and reading about my experiences of watching stand-up comedy. Thanks again and best wishes from a rich comic life.